The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honour my father and you dishonour me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Very truly I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet fifty years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus says, I am, and we're going to consider that today. Let me pray. Father God, open up the words of your Apostle servant John so that they speak to our hearts and change and convict our mind. Help us to see Jesus for who he is. We ask in his name. Amen. So you're out with friends and the having a discussion, it's quite a pleasant night and then the topic turns to some slightly controversial topic. You know that your particular friend has a real interest in this discussion and he begins to speak with great conviction and a a debate starts between those who are there and the comments seem to get stronger and stronger and your friend's almost becoming boastful about the sureness of his position and deriding that of others and there's a division happening and people are getting offended and you begin to think, I just want to crawl into a hole here. You're squirming and you say, this is getting uncomfortable. It's embarrassing. You have to be careful about those sorts of debates, don't you, because we're all fallible. None of us know the full truth and pride so easily rears its ugly head and sometimes we're right to squirm in our seats saying this is really getting uncomfortable. But what if you were called to speak the word of God? God's truth. Like the prophets, like the prophet Jeremiah. God called Jeremiah In chapter 1 of Jeremiah, verse 7, he said, Get yourself ready, Jeremiah. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. 
Do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests and the people of the land. They will fight against you but they will not overcome you for I am with you and will rescue you. This is a hard calling, Prophet Jeremiah. You've got to warn the kings, the priests, the judgment that God is not happy with you. You have to warn them of sin and coming judgment. You have to be confronting and it's going to be embarrassing and people will squirm in their seats and you'll in fact become an object of ridicule and derision. But hang in there because your word is necessary. It's not easy to be a prophet. Just look at the Old Testament to make, be the one that speaks for God and makes people squirm in their seats. The big issues the prophets kept addressing was the big issue nobody wanted to talk about or admit, which was the big issue of their sin. They had turned away from God and disobeyed his word. Listen, we're quite happy for you to talk about the sin of others because we can all see they're doing but moi? Oh, how could you accuse me of sin, of turning from God? And that's what the prophets did. They, they, they warned people about their sin and coming judgment if they stayed where they were, but they also consistently warned or gave notice of hope that God can and would save, particularly through his reigning king, the promised anointed one, the Messiah, who would come and deal with the problem of sin and establish a new day, a new age, a new kingdom of righteousness and truth. So it was hard to be a prophet to speak for God, even though you were warning about the day to come. But what would it be like when the Messiah actually arrived? The new day dawned in the person of God's promised king, the anointed one. How would people react to the Messiah? Well, John chapter 8, as we've been looking at in our series Decision Time, we see how they react to the Messiah. Jesus is in the city of Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles. It's a big time of messianic expectation. And he says to these people looking for the new day, if you want living water, come to me. He says, all the lights are on in the city. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I, he is telling them, am the bringer of the new age. I am the king that was promised. And he calls them to repent, to turn away from their sin and makes all these bold claims about who he is. And people are listening to a measure because they're trying to sort out who Jesus is because he is, there is no doubt, a remarkable fellow who has done remarkable things. But a division starts. And John 8 tells us the story of a very uncomfortable debate between Jesus and the Jewish leaders mostly and other Jews and throughout this debate the temperature is rising because Jesus, like the prophets of old, speaks for God 
And he just kept adding fuel to the fire, calling upon them, these religious experts, many of them, to repent, to turn back to God. And they get angrier and angrier and Jesus adds fuel to the fire. So we find in verse 44 of John 8, which we looked at last week, Jesus says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He's your father. Verse 47, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. What? What are you saying? It's getting hot in the kitchen. It's getting uncomfortable. And as we come to the conclusion of this debate today, it all comes to a head. Something has to give. The pressure cooker is getting hotter and hotter and the steam's going, is it all going to blow up? The debate at this point moves solidly into the area of insult and derision. The niceties are put aside. The Jews answered to Jesus, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and you're demon-possessed. There's a nice little ethnic slur there. Basically they're saying, we don't like you one bit. Jesus lays it on the table. He says, you don't like who I am? You don't like who I am? Well, let me tell you again. I've been saying this all along, but I just want to make it clear, now that you've told me you really don't like me and you're slandering me, I just want to tell you who I am. And I think Jesus alludes to four things in this passage, each that builds on the other as he tells these people at the height of the debate who he is. I am. The first thing Jesus has said many times before, but he essentially says, I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah, because that's a messianic term. The Son of God would come to save his people, the one who would bring the new age. He doesn't use the exact words of Messiah or even the exact words of being the Son of God here. But when they say, you're a Samaritan, you're demon-possessed, he says this, I am not possessed by a demon, but I honour my Father, and you dishonour me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I honour my Father who is God. In fact, this, this point that God is my Father permeates this entire discussion. God is my Father, I am his Son. Back in verse 18. I am one who testifies for myself, says Jesus. 
My other witness, who testifies about who I am, is the Father who sent me. They asked him, where is your Father? You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. God is my Father, you don't know him. He sent me. Verse 38. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. I'm from the Father. I've seen the Father. And you are doing what you have heard from your Father. We've got different fathers. Verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. I am the Son of God. You need to deal with that. And Jesus makes these claims, not seeking his own glory, but he says, the Father is seeking my glory. And that's what fathers do. Fathers delight in seeking the glory of their sons. And Jesus says, my Father who is seeking my glory is also the judge. He knows everything. He judges righteously. And you say I'm demon possessed. Well beware what you say. You say that I'm demon possessed. Beware that sort of a comment. Earlier back in chapter 5 there was another feast in Jerusalem and Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath day who had been disabled, crippled. And a debate started. How can you do that on the special holy seventh day? Back in chapter 5, verse 19. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And then down in verse 22, Moreover, the Father has judges, has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. Be very careful about dishonouring me or slandering me because I am God's Son and my Father is committed to my glory and your future depends upon whether you honour me because it offends my Father when you dishonour me. Back in chapter 3, John said it, put it this way in his Gospel, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Jesus says, I am the Son of God, you better honour me. Because if you don't, God's wrath will remain on you. Which leads us to our second claim that Jesus makes in this passage. Who is he? Jesus says, I am your only hope for life. I am the life bringer. I am the life giver. Again, he uses different words, but it says the same thing in this claim. Verse 50 in our passage, chapter 8, verse 50. Jesus says, I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, 
And he is the judge. Very truly, truly, truly I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. My father is the judge. Don't dishonour me for eternal life is found in me. In fact, you have to obey me. You have to obey my word and follow me because life is with me and me alone. This is what Jesus has been saying. When he was back up in Galilee, he fed people with loaves and fishes and again entered into another debate. In chapter 6, verse 48, as he's speaking to these people, trying to work out who he is, he says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Here in our debate, it starts when Jesus spoke to the people. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I am your hope for life if you will obey me. It's a provocative claim, isn't it? It's an audacious claim. Do what I say and then you will live into the ages. Who is this Jesus? Is he Lord? The person who holds eternal life? Or is he just a liar or a lunatic? You can't say, obey me and you'll have eternal life. Well, the Jews assume he's the latter two probably combined, the liar and the lunatic. At this they exclaimed, now we know you're demon-possessed. Because you can't say that sort of thing. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. And yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. You liar, you lunatic. You evil person. They heard Jesus rightly. That's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, hear me, believe my words, obey my words and you will live into the ages world without end. Eternal life. This is what he's been teaching all along back in chapter 6, 68. After the bread discourse, many, many people turned away from following Jesus, but Jesus said to his disciples, you don't want to leave too, do you? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We're going to follow you. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. You are the promised Son of God, the Messiah. Earlier in John's Gospel, John wrote that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son so that whoever believes in him need not perish but have everlasting life. There's the Gospel in a nutshell. Jesus says, I am your only hope for life. It's too much for these Jewish people listening are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. 
Who do you think you are? Literally, what are you making of yourself? You liar, you lunatic. What are you saying about yourself that you're the one who gives life, that you're the son of God? And so we come to Jesus' third claim. Who do you think you are? Jesus' answer is basically yes, I am greater than Abraham and I am greater than the prophets. In fact, I am the fulfilment of all that Abraham and the prophets spoke of and hoped for. Indeed, I am the fulfilment of the ages. I am what it's all about. I am the real deal and I am here and I am now. It's Jesus is basically saying, yes, yes, it's all about me. Isn't that crazy? You know, we have debates in our house, such gentle debates always. And we might, as slightly pushy parents, sometimes say, you know, it's not, or I might say to my lovely wife, you know, it's not all about you. And she might say to me, I don't know why she does this, John, it's not all about you. And Jesus comes along at the heat of this debate when everyone's getting cranky and says, guess what, it's all about me. What a claim. He says... If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, he's the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. And if I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I obey his word. And your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and he was glad. Twice in the Old Testament, Abraham is called God's friend. Once in the New Testament, Abraham is called the friend of God. Abraham knew God. God revealed himself to Abraham. Abraham listened, he heard and he believed and he obeyed the Lord. Not perfectly, but he did everything that was required to follow God by faith and Abraham was the friend of God. He knew God. Twice in these two verses, Jesus says, I know the Father. I am the Son the Father glorifies. In other words, I know God the Father far better than Abraham ever did, for I am the Son whom the Father glorifies. So I am greater by far than Abraham or the prophets. And God promised Abraham that he would bless the entire world through Abraham's seed, through his offspring. And Abraham looked forward in faith to that day and Jesus says, I am the seed. I am the offspring through whom God is going to bless the whole world. I am the fulfilment. Abraham looked for my day and he was so glad and he saw it by faith and now I'm here. Do you reckon Abraham's not rejoicing? Because I'm greater than Abraham and the prophets. I'm what they spoke about. I'm the real deal. 
I am the one who has come to establish the new age Abraham looked for and to rule over that age. And yes, Abraham died and the prophets died, but I shall reign forever and ever. And I will offer my subjects eternal life, for it is mine to give. I am greater than Abraham and the prophets. I am the fulfilment of the ages. One prophecy in this series that I've gone back to a little bit is the wonderful one in Isaiah chapter 9. The new day will come for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, And of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. This is going to be an eternal reign. He will reign on David's throne, the son of David, and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Eternal kingdom. A descendant of Abraham, a descendant of King David, Jesus says, it's me, which means I am wonderful counsellor. I am mighty God. I am the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I establish an eternal reign. Because Isaiah seems to be suggesting that somehow God will be born, somehow God will come to our world and establish his kingdom through this descendant of David and rule eternally. Somehow it seems to be that Jesus is saying, that's me that Isaiah was speaking about. Uh, He goes on to clarify, just in case the people listening aren't sure. See, this heated debate continues. The Jews are aghast at what Jesus is saying. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham. Well, my oh my, the things you can do. It's ridiculous, it's preposterous. And we come to Jesus' fourth I am claim. See, I am the son of God. I am your hope for life. I am the fulfilment of the ages. Now Jesus says, I am God among you, walking with you. I am Isaiah 9, made flesh. Showing you the wave. He uses much fewer words than that. Verse 58. Truly, truly, says Jesus, very truly I tell you, listen up, before Abraham was born, I am. Before Abraham was born 2,000 years ago, I am. We can't say that. You and I can't say that. I can say, I am but that's gone. Like when I said that, that's now I was. I am, you can only ever say, I am in the moment, and then it's gone. I am. I can say I was, the person who used to say I am. I can say I will be, the person who's going to say I am again. I am, but then it's was, and now it's still going to be. Jesus says, before Abraham was, before he happened, I am. 
He is extensive. He is pre-existent. He is almost beyond time because even before I am. Through all of our wases and into all of our will-be's, Jesus says, I am. It's a claim to divinity. But it's a claim to divinity that's even stronger than just the grammar, which the grammar does suggest. The Jews listening to this phrase, they didn't use it very much because it had echoes that they knew full well from the Old Testament. From the time of the Exodus when God appeared to Moses in a burning bush that didn't burn and said, I'm sending you to Pharaoh and to the land of Egypt and you are going to get my people out of there. You are going to lead them. You'll be my man. We go back to Exodus chapter 3. Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I'll be with you. And Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, Well, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? Like, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. It's God's name, it's God's person. I am the eternal, pre-existent, co-existent one has sent you. Who do you think you are, these Jews challenged Jesus. What you, this is preposterous, this is ridiculous. And Jesus tells them, who am I? I am. Before Abraham was, I am. That is who I am. I am who I am. I am God the Son. God Almighty. John's Gospel begins his Gospel. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life is the light of the world. The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father's side full of grace and truth. I am came and lived with us. At the very height of this debate, as the anger of the Jews is burning out of their ears, Jesus says, who am I? I am and they understand perfectly well what he's saying. The debate has gone far enough. It is time to put this discussion to bed At this they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Who is Jesus? We tend to live in a world that thinks having all the answers is what really matters. You know, the guys on the quiz show. 
the guy who has all the answers. That's what's that one? That one you go up the ladder or something. And these guys, they're the experts. They've got all the answers. They're the guys. Or you go to a university, you become a professor because you've got all the answers. They're the best people. These Jewish leaders at this time, they had all the answers for the people. You know, it's far more... You may aspire to be the person who has all the answers, but a far greater aspiration, really in a far more real and important aspiration, is to be the person, not with all the answers, but the person asking the right questions. Because if you've got the right... If you've got all the answers, but you're not answering the right questions, you've got no answers... What's far, far more important is to ask the right questions. Wrong questions, you'll get all the meaningless answers that might be the right answers to the wrong questions. And we, in our pride, we all tend to puff ourselves up and think that we've got all the answers. I think most of us have got some answers to the meaning of life and significance. Because you kind of, it's very hard to live without some sort of answers I'm an agnostic, I'm an atheist, I think this, I think that, I think God is like this, I think God is like that. Great answer. I think far more important is to start with the right questions. And the most important question of all, I believe, is who is Jesus? Because what we often do is we think, I've got all the answers and Jesus fits, he's standing over there. He's he's the nice guy standing over there. So he maybe impacts my answers on the meaning and existence of life, but he's, you know, he's a nice guy standing over there, but just have a look at what we've been looking at today. Jesus says, I'm not standing over there. As a nice little addition as you wish and choose to add into your answers. Jesus says, I am the answer. Are you asking the right question? So many people package their spirituality with that ever dealing with who Jesus is or they deal with who Jesus is based upon who they want Jesus to be come and have a look at who he says he is he doesn't give you that freedom the most important question you can answer is who is Jesus this man for no no other reason he has had a massive impact on human history he's had a massive impact on so many personal lives He cannot be ignored or put on the shelf or smiled at from a distance. So he's with me. No, he's not. He doesn't give you that freedom. Jesus says, here in John 8, I am the Son of God, the promised Messiah. I am your only hope for life. Without me you will perish. Jesus says, I am the fulfilment of the ages. I am the greatest one. I am the real deal. It's all about me. Jesus says, I am God. Come to live among you. Before whom every knee must bow and every tongue confess that I am Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus says, I am. Will you hear? Will you believe? Will you obey? It's decision time. 
Will you follow me and obey my words? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for sending a saviour in your son. That you so loved us that you sent Jesus so that whoever believes in him and in his person as he, as he is will not perish but have everlasting life. Father, help all of us to hear, believe and obey. And by the power of your spirit, for the glory of your name, we ask through Jesus. Amen.